Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. If you didn't have to go into a job or have a job at all, what would you spend more of your time doing? Wow, that is actually a very conveniently timed question because I'm currently in between jobs. I'd love to say I'd do absolutely nothing, sleep all day, but realistically, I'd get back into art, sewing, drawing, crocheting. Definitely like taking care of myself, reading and learning about like things that I want to learn about. Volunteer work and teaching others about the Bible, preaching. I don't really do the whole traditional holiday season like most families do, so traveling would be my answer. I'd just get up and move. Uh, specifically, uh, Mexico. Family has got some upbringing there and spent some there as time as a childhood and it's very cheap to live there and a lot of good people. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright. Welcome to the show and happy 2023. So let me acknowledge first that we are not talking about the absurdist drama that unfolded on Capitol Hill over the past week. Suffice to say, there is now finally a Speaker of the House and theoretically at least the new Congress can begin its work, which is likely to be another absurdist journey for all of us over the next couple of years. What we are going to discuss in this show is the work the rest of us have to do each day, which is maybe something that this Congress should be thinking about, actually. I often repeat an anecdote about covering the 2018 congressional elections. You'll recall that they were a huge deal, right? Like the first elections of the Trump era. And there was a special election in Pennsylvania in a district just outside of Pittsburgh that was really like the first election. So I went along with one of the producers of this show to knock on doors in the district with the nonpartisan voter registration group. And, you know, we wanted to know what people actually cared about, right? Other than Trump and Nancy Pelosi and everything that those names were supposed to represent to people. And I will never forget what one woman said to me. She was a middle-aged woman in this classically working class place, largely white neighborhood. And when I asked her what she cared about politically, she was like, you know what? I care about the fact that I never see my family anymore. My kids, my grandkids, I don't see them all because all of us are always at work. And I want Congress to fix that. And I thought, ma'am, I am ready to vote for that along with you. Because the reality is that most of us spend most of our time working. I love my job. I am so blessed to have work that fulfills me, that I do alongside people I love. But folks... The majority of my waking hours today have been spent on this job, and the same will be true tomorrow and the day after, and the same is likely true for you as well. 
And I say all of that to say that I can't think of something that has a bigger impact on our lives and our society than our collective work, how we do it, where we do it, how we're treated while we're doing it. And all of those things, they are just so in flux. So we begin this year by talking with someone who has become an expert on Americans' relationships to our jobs. Anne Helen Peterson is author of the book Out of Office, The Big Problem and Bigger Promise of Working from Home, which she co-wrote with her partner, journalist Charlie Warzel, and we'll talk about that. She also writes a Substack newsletter called Culture Study and hosts the podcast Work Appropriate, which is all about how we do the do on our jobs. And thanks so much for kicking off the year with this discussion with us. It is a pleasure to be here on a Sunday. On a Sunday, we are at work. <laughs> so there you go. We are at work. <laughs> um, the encounter I just described in Pennsylvania, it took place in 2018. So pre-pandemic, before the massive shifts we've seen in our work culture and our labor markets over the past couple of years. And I just wonder what you think about hearing that anecdote in the context of 2023. You know, does it sound like a report from Mars or something that is still very right now? You know, I think that people still feel like they work all the time. Hmm. But I do think that a lot of people feel that they have unprecedented control over when and where they work. Right. And that doesn't mean that everyone has that control, but it does mean that in a lot of industries, there is more control than there has been for a very long time. And I just think back to like the period of time when I was going into an office in New York and we had pretty standardized times, you know, when you were expected to have your butt in the seat and just how much time I spent getting ready for work, commuting, coming home, rush hour, subway traffic, all that stuff. Right. And Obviously, that's time, but it's also just that feeling of my day during the week is entirely composed of getting to work, working, getting home from work, collapsing, <laughs> recovering from work, again. starting over right? again, worrying <laughs> about work all the over next again. day. Yeah. And then on the weekend, you're so exhausted that you need one full day to recover and then kind of feel like, oh, what about those things that I want to do? Because I live in the greatest city on earth, right? Yeah. Oh, but I don't have any time to do that because Sunday I have to start prepping for the existential, you know, Sunday scaries of yeah. starting the work yeah. week again. Yeah. So you're feeling like, we are at least for, again, some portion of the workforce, certainly not all, some portion of the workforce in an unprecedented moment of not having that, where people have more control over their time. More control. And, you know, with that, we have to say the caveat of like a lot of people I know struggle if they do have that control over like I can work anytime, anywhere also means I can work anytime, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're struggling to turn off, right? To take a legitimate vocation. I think that the bumpers between working and not working have almost entirely disappeared for anyone who's doing that sort of portable work, which is sometimes called like office work, knowledge mm -hmm. work, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Well, we will get into all of that in some more detail later in the show. But in your podcast, you answer listeners' questions about stuff they're facing at work in general. So... If you think about the premise I've offered for this conversation, that work shapes so much of our individual lives and therefore shapes so much of our society in general, and if you reflect on the questions that you get from your listeners, is there a question you'd point to and say, you know what, you want to understand American life in 2023? Take note of this question or this sentiment that I keep hearing. Is there something like that that you'd highlight? Oh, 
I mean, the question I get all the time is about managers. And that's, I think that's just about work, Power. right? That is something that the very heart of work is like, how do we be good managers? How do we deal with bad managers at the same time? But the other question that I feel is, is pretty 2023 to me is this interesting question of ambition mm. of people trying to say like, am I supposed to want more than this? I'm exhausted. I'm I'm maybe in a slightly comfortable place or I'm so tired of striving all the time to get to a slightly more comfortable place, you know, where I, I just feel like there's nothing left. Mm. And also I think in a particularly post pandemic or end of pandemic way, there's just a, a real refiguration of what your priorities are. So the shift that I think has happened for a lot of people is trying to figure out, okay, before my life rotated around work, right? Every decision that I made in my life, you know, all of it was for the betterment of my career. And sometimes that meant that family, hobbies, friendships, community, all of those things were secondary, if non non-existent. And then you have this clarifying moment of the pandemic, which asks, how can I make work <laughs> rotate around all of these other things that are actually mm -hmm. really important to me? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that people who weren't working what are sometimes called passion jobs, right? Jobs that are very, very strongly aligned with your identity as a person and your value as a person. Those people would say like, of course I'm not my job. Of course my job is not my first priority. My job has, I have to do it to make money, but it's not who I am. And I always am trying to like, yeah. trying to figure it's out how to It's not a new less. conversation. <laughs> right, This is, but I. it's more that I think that there are people who, especially millennials, I'll say, and people on either end, generation on either side who are saying, wait, I'm in my late 30s, early 40s. I did all this for a career. Like there's gotta be something else here. Right? I, gotta, I gotta try to figure out what else is out there. And I think that's an interesting moment that we're in. Well, listeners, you too have an opportunity to ask Anne Helen Peterson questions about your work life. She's done shows on management, on dealing with rap, crappy work culture, on being a parent. Uh, working for yourself, all that stuff, all kinds of stuff. So let her try you out. And if you don't have a question, I have one for you. How has your relationship to work changed in recent years? And how has that change affected other parts of your life beyond work? Maybe it's your political views or your family life or how you show up in your community, anything. 844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. Or if you're on YouTube, drop it in the chat. And, you know, we can be talking about changes that you welcome, and maybe we're talking about changes that you do not welcome. But share your story, 844-745-TALK. Um, and so, and we're going to take a break in a couple minutes, but uh, so we won't have time to finish what I'm about to ask you, but I want to at least get started. There are these two buzzwords um, that have defined the conversation about work in 2022, at least, that I know you have strong feelings about. Quiet quitting <laughs> and the great resignation. Um, <laughs> and... Um, and so I, I want to dig into those a little bit. So just as a teaser, before we get, get going to break, let's start with the great resignation and what you think people should understand about that phrase. What we know now is that it was incredibly overhyped. And I think it was a phrase that was used originally to describe a lot of people going through that process I was talking about before, refiguring like, oh, what if I don't want to like prioritize work number one in my life? In actuality, it was actually a ton of people quitting jobs that were unsafe because of COVID. 
and they didn't want to have that exposure or exposure to to mean people anymore. And then people dropping out of the workforce because they didn't have childcare. Right. So very different than how it was commonly understood. Then this notion of like, oh, you know, I, now that I'm free of the shackles of capitalism, I think I'm going to chillax. Like It's a very different concept. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and also in quite quitting, which is a phrase that was popularized by TikTok, and I think was just like a, a really useful way for younger people to understand like, oh, there are different ways of approaching work than just like hustling all the time. And then was co-opted by places by like the Wall Street Journal to say, look at all these workers who are lazy. Quite quitting is just like not sacrificing your entire life to your job, right? That's all quiet quitting is. There's no actual quiet quit. There's not like a, a button you can push that's like, I'm quiet quitting now. <laughs> well, I, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't mind such a button, but anyway. I know, right? It's just like, it's just chilling out a little bit, a right? Little it's bit. just like not working yourself into the ground. <laughs> I'm talking with Anne Helen Peterson, host of the podcast Work Appropriate and author most recently of the book Out of Office, The Big Problem and the Bigger Promise of Working From Home. We'll take your calls after a break. Hi, this is Kusha. I'm a producer on the show, and I want to invite you to a special event for Notes from America. Join us for WNYC's annual Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebration, live at the Apollo Theater here in New York City. It's gonna be on Sunday, January 15th. We're doing our whole show from there, and Kai's gonna be moderating conversations that celebrate today's young activists. So, if you're gonna be in the area, we'd love to see you there. Tickets are free, but they go fast. You can reserve them at wnyc.org slash events. And if you can't make it in person, we'll also be live streaming the event from WNYC's YouTube channel. Again, you can find out all the info and reserve your tickets at wnyc.org slash events. Hope to see you there. We often think of universities as isolated ivory towers, but the fact is, politics have always been present on campus. This is Kai, and after you're done with our show this week, take a listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour, where David Rimnick looks closely at what's been happening at Harvard. The money factor, very important. What is it that college presidents do? One of their most important functions is raising money. Law professor Randall Kennedy. He's worth a listen, and so is the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright, and I'm talking with Anne Helen Peterson, host of the podcast Work Appropriate, where she answers listener questions about managing this humongous part of our lives, our work. And she can take your questions about work tonight. Uh, and Anne, let's go right to the phones. Let's go to Eric in Chicago. Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So, uh, Eric, do you either have a question or you want to tell us about what's changed for you? Well, I would like to know what your guest feels about uh, people who work in the service sector. So much of the news coverage over the pandemic has been on people's lives of working from home and how that's changed them. But there's a whole huge section of the economy that still has to go to work every day, whether it's in restaurants or grocery stores or, you know, taxis or 
in my case, I work at a garden center and, you know, we've had to do that. And I've noticed a shift in people's focus about their commitment to their jobs, kind of like what you guys were talking about. And I want to know what you think about the fact that, well, there's people who still have to show up on time every day. That's right. And can I ask you, Eric, before Ann answers that just about yourself, have, have you experienced any kind of shift uh, in terms of just how you think about or feel about your work over the course of this pandemic? Well, I'm an older person. I'm in my 50s. And so, you know, I come from an age group where, you know, you have to work that's what you do to pay the bills and you know, whatever else you can do in your other time is fine. But I've noticed a change since the pandemic in that attitude with my younger coworkers ah. and they seem less dedicated to work and more wanting to do what fulfills them and the less of a company loyalty. And I'm wondering what your, your guest feels about that okay. as far as a change in loyalty to companies and people's attitudes in the service sector report going to work. Thank you, Eric. What do you think, Ann? Well, I love this as our first question because I think that it allows us to touch on so many things that are actually, you know, as this caller said, missing oftentimes from conversations when we just talk about people who do have flexible work. So the first thing I'd say is that I think, you know, we're always going to have people who have to be present in physical spaces for work, right? Like until we figure out how to, I don't know, operate on ourselves, like there are going to be different mm -hmm. jobs that demand presence. And I think what we're seeing right now and what we saw over the pandemic was a shift to really try to make, <laughs> to demand that those jobs become better jobs, Right. If you're going to demand presence, right, if you're going to have exposure to the virus, if you're going to have to deal with really crappy customers all the time, then I want to be paid a wage that's at, least, at very least a living wage. Right. And maybe I want some benefits that make it so that I'm not constantly struggling. Right. I want to have some sort of solidity in, in my life. And I think that you can see one, you know, one way that people have been pushing back on the lack of that solidity is they have been quitting their jobs. They were quitting their jobs. They're saying, I'll go get retrained for something else. Again, right? this is or what the I Great will... Resignation was actually about. We right. know this for a fact right. at this point was a lot of service workers saying, now that I know that you will let me die, it's not worth it. Yes. My, my job as a server is not worth dying, right? And then the other thing you see is unionization efforts, which is actually a return to what we saw, you know, in the the height of the unionization movement in the 20th century, the late 19th century, is workers saying, this is too dangerous. <laughs> These conditions are too crappy. The way that we push back against companies that are exploiting us, our bodies, our, our willingness to show up to work, the way we push back is through solidarity. And so whether it's at Starbucks or I've seen this in, you know, like museums unionizing, all sorts of different places Absolutely. that are really trying to say, how do I push back on this ex exploitation? And I think especially in retail um, and in serving in restaurants in, in general, we are in this point of transition where restaurants are figuring out the way we were doing things before, it wasn't working. We kept it together barely. 
But the combination of like really bad wages and then also a lot of abuse in these in these restaurants were saying, okay, what's what's the next step? How are we going to configure working these sorts of jobs in the future? So I do think that like right now we are in a moment of transition as we figure that out. Let's go to TL also in Chicago. TL, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I have a question and a comment. Okay. Um, the the comment is is how to be balanced when the cost of inflation and the cost of living is so enormously expensive. And the other thing that I have for a question is, as a woman of color, always being paid less, even in white collar work, how I'm always working. I'm always having two or three jobs, and it becomes very difficult. Um, not to do that because I'm always paid at the bottom. And I'm not sure with working from home if it's added value or become more of a, a, a hindrance because working from home, you're always being told it's a privilege and then you're always wanting to be stellar. And then I'm always trying to be excellent and responding to emails at seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So then work becomes a rat race. And of course, being a woman of color, it's harder to get a job. And I'm a geriatric millennial. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not Same. a Gen Xer, but I have, but I, but I have Gen X, you know, work ethic <laughs> and I'm working really hard right now for less. So I love to hear your comments on this. Thank Thanks. you, TL. And particularly that point about like working at home uh, and whether or not you, and worrying about, am I being, am I, am I, do I have the ability to uh, manage these existing disparities um, when I'm not in the office? Yeah, another great question. Seriously. Um, So I think that the problem with working from home, particularly if you have an office that has not been smart about setting up what we call guardrails, right? Guardrails are different than boundaries because boundaries are incredibly easy to break, right? Mm-hmm. Boundaries are things that, that that's how you show that you're a committed worker by saying like, oh, I set these boundaries and then I continually break them. I continually show that I am a more dedicated worker by responding to email at 7 a.m., responding to email at 11 p.m., checking my email when I'm on PTO, all of those things. So I think that smart companies are trying to figure out how do we set standards for everyone at the company, from leadership all the way down to new employees that says, this is not what we do here. And the reason we don't do it is because that sort of behavior burns people out, right? And then you get churn, you get unhappiness in the workplace, you get worse work product, less creativity, all of these things that if companies are looking in the long term, in terms of not only saving money, but also just like being a better company, they're thinking about these things. And I've seen this in practice. There are companies that are really trying to be mindful about this. Most companies are flying by the seat of their pants and are just like, oh yeah, of course. Like if people want to work more, let them work more. Let them show that they are a better employee. And I'm really glad that the, the um, caller pointed out the fact that there are just different standards and different levels of work that are, are expected of women of color in particular, people of color, but women of color in particular. Like you have to show all the time, I am working. I am working hard. I'm working doubly hard than my coworkers who are not women of color. And that is just an incredible burden. There's, I can think of that population then a number of folks who were this work from home idea again talking about office work now um where this work from home idea 
comes together with existing challenges. So I think about yeah. people who are entering the workforce for the first time um, and are missing the connections there. I think about um, people who already had challenging environments for a whole host of reasons. Um, How often does just that piece of it come up from your listeners in general? Just that like, listen, work was already hard because of X um, thing that is beyond my control, that's about my identity or that's about my age or about my status. um, And now I have this on top of it. Yeah, it's it's so deeply intersectional in so many different meanings of the term. So advice that like I would give to someone who is mid-career at a nonprofit is very different than advice that I would give to someone who is just starting out at a family business, right? Um, early career people, mid-career, later career, all of that advice is different. People who have management responsibilities, who, who don't have management responsibilities, all of that is different. The way that, you know, it also depends on what your office culture is, like how they communicate online, what sort of responsiveness is expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that we talk a lot about in the podcast and also just in my work generally is how some of the research that's been showing up this far into the pandemic. So Slack Future Forum does this survey of thousands and thousands of people. They've done it every quarter. And it's not just of people who use Slack. It's anyone who is working in a hybrid, remote, flexible situation. And what they've seen over the course of the pandemic, one of the things that like always surprises people when I tell them is that feelings of belonging, the sense of belonging, has actually gone up. Hmm for employees of color over the course of the pandemic as they've been hybrid. So that's counter to what I think a lot of people understand in terms of, oh, when we're in the office, there is more sense of belonging. Right. You don't have to deal with all the stuff, you know, that otherwise makes you feel alienated from your white work environment. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's There is a lot of offices have an established monoculture and it is oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes a very white culture, a very masculine culture, a very heteronormative culture. And the work of fitting into that every day, that's work. Yeah. Let's keep going because we got a lot of calls. Uh, Let's go to Julia in Manchester, New Hampshire. Julia, welcome to the show. Hi there. Um, I am so excited to be chatting with you all. I um, I work as a supported employment specialist um, for a local ACT team, um, and I specifically support people with uh, dual disorders, so um, a mental health disorder in addition to a substance misuse disorder. Mm-hmm. And I was screaming at my radio because this impacted my work or my work tremendously. Um, I support folks that haven't been in the workforce for over 15 years for mm. a number of different reasons. And um, certainly within um, our Medicaid system, there's so many limitations to what people are able to do for work and how, you know, if they work this amount of hours, then this benefit will go down. Um, and then unfortunately, because of the turnover and um, staffing issues globally we're experiencing, um, a lot of my folks are dealing with um, like clerical errors on the part of like Social Security or other administrations. Um, and unfortunately, their benefits are then docked and it really completely ruins whatever budget or savings they have um, and they're playing catch up. But one of the things I've, I've noticed so much is that isolation uh, really, really makes it so, so challenging to want to get back out into the workforce, mm. especially when you're experiencing such personal um, and usually not visible symptoms. Um, Mm. And it's, 
I found it's really interesting with um, the gig culture that has kind of transpired over the last decade is that um, there's a real niche for individuals that do receive uh, benefits to get back to work in ways that are meaningful for themselves um, and then, of course, be able to support themselves, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Julia. That is, And so there, there's a lot in there, Anne, if you want to jump in on any of it, but I'm also just broadening a little bit thinking also about just all of the ways in which people feel very insecure right now around their jobs. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's people yeah. that um, Julia's talking about who have a variety of insecure, like real world uh, challenges for being in the workplace, period. And then there's folks who are in the workplace who are terrified about losing their jobs right now. Um, yeah. So respond to whatever you want to with Julia there, but then also speak about this broader insecurity that we're, the period that we're entering into. Yeah, to speak to the caller's point, I think there is a lot of conversation about how remote and flexible work has opened up a lot of jobs to people who are disabled and who couldn't, for various reasons, uh, go into an office and sit in an office chair for six, eight hours a day, right? But who wanted to work, but who just physically, psychologically, whatever reason, that was not something that was available to them. Those people were finding work for the first time in a long time. And so I think that there's that. And then there's also the fact, you know, as she pointed out, that various slowdowns related to the intersection of the pandemic and worker churn and like just lack of uh, backup, any sort of redundancy in the system that allows it so that when people quit, that there are people there to fill those jobs, that has made it really difficult in all sorts of ways for people to get the resources, the the things that they need. And in this case, that includes, you know, the money that you live on from month to month. And so I think sometimes we think about these conversations just in terms of like, oh, like, what is my inbox like? Or what are my preferences in terms of my personal working situation without thinking about how this is part of this larger universe that has so many repercussions in so many different ways. Um, And then... You know, what's what were we talking about the second half of the question? The, the overall me. insecurity, because I want to go back a little bit to oh, what yeah. TL asked about, you know, with yeah. inflation. And then we, we're in this moment where the conversation yeah. is like, oh, we need the Fed to like raise interest rates further to create job loss so that I don't have to pay as much for things. And just the, yeah. the anxiety that that creates. Okay. So imagine, or you know, if you're this age, you don't have to imagine, but imagine you are someone who graduated from high school or college straight into the Great Recession. And you spent years trying to find a job, trying to find any sort of job that would pay you a living wage, right? You might have gone into debt. You might have gone back to school and incurred a lot of additional student debt. You might still be swimming in that student debt. (laughs) You're years behind, you know, previous generations in terms of any sort of savings, accrual, all those sorts of things. And just as you started to feel steady, right? Like just as maybe you put away that coveted oh crap fund, right? That covers mm-hmm. emergencies. The pandemic hits. And with that early, those early months of the pandemic, there was so much uncertainty about what the economy was going to do. A lot of companies laid people off, put people on furloughs, all that sort of things. Okay, so you have that instability. Things steady just a little bit during the pandemic. There's a modicum of power that is given to the worker for a, the first time in a very long time. And then as soon as that happens, right, then we have this massive inflation. We have the Fed raising interest rates because, and this is something in your head, like to hear this, we have to create unemployment in order to reduce inflation. 
just how incredibly contradictory that feels that like I have to be worried about my job constantly or be unemployed and trying to scrap things together because of inflation to try to make like I am the sacrifice. I am the sacrifice. And (laughs) And the story that you have just told will explain a lot about how people feel right now in the United States. Yeah. And Helen Peterson is host of the podcast Work Appropriate and author of the book Out of Office, The Big Problem and Bigger Promise of Working from Home, which she co-wrote with her partner. She also writes a Substack newsletter called Culture Study. And thank you for this time. Thank you so much. It's great. Notes from America is a production of WNYC Studios. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Our live engineer was Matthew Mirando. Mixing and music by Jared Paul. Production, editing, and reporting by Karen Froman, Vanessa Handy, Regina Dehir, Rahima Nasa, Kusha Navadar, and Lindsay Foster Thomas. And I'm Kai Wright. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. <laughs>